Damascus when they were shopping. And so before they entered, and this is reminiscent of what my mom used to do when we entered a grocery store together, um, she said, no chocolate chip cookies, so don't even bother asking. I don't know what it was for you. My mom, it was those little suckers, you know, they, they had like a little uh, thing of suckers in a bin they used to have. I, that's what I would beg for every time I went with my mother. But this was fine for this mom and, and son until they got to the cookie section when he'd ask for some cookies and she'd say, no, sit down. And, and uh, they continued their shopping, but their shopping found them back in the cookie aisle. And he asked again, and he's standing up in, in the cart and saying, please, mom, can I have some cookies? And she's like, now sit down and be quiet. I told you not to ask. You're not getting any cookies. Finally, they're approaching the checkout line of the store, and I think the boy sensed that this was his very last chance. And so just before that, he stands up in the cart, and he says at the top of his lungs, in the name of Jesus, I ask you for some chocolate chip cookies. And, and apparently everyone around them laughed and, and even applauded. And according to Paul Harvey, due to people's generosity, the little boy and mother left with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. I just love stories of answered prayer. <laughs> oh, we're going to be talking about prayer today. And, and isn't prayer, uh, doesn't it seem not quite so simple as that? It, it seems complicated sometimes, sometimes complex. In some ways, prayer is the easiest thing in the world, like a, a heaven-directed thought or hope or whim. In some ways, it's the most challenging thing. And there's often a, a dissonance or a gap between prayer in theory and prayer in practice. In theory, prayer is a, an essential human act, a, a, an amazing point of contact with the God of the universe. In practice... Prayer is often confusing and can be very frustrating. Last year, uh, I was struck by a scene in the acclaimed film, Gravity. I don't know if you saw it. I commend it to you. Uh, it's a film featuring uh, Sandra Bullock. It's set in space. And due, in a, due to an accident, um, uh, debris hits the space shuttle. And astronaut Ryan Stone, played by, by Sandra Bullock, is then stranded. She's isolated cut off from her radio connection with mission control. Coming to grips with her unlikely, or her likely death, I should say. It looks like there's no hope for her survival. She has the following conversation. Let's watch the scene. Love you, God. I know, we're all gonna die. Everybody knows that. But I'm gonna die today. You know, to know. But the thing is, it's that I'm still scared. I'm really scared. Nobody will mourn for me. No one will pray for my soul. Will you mourn for me? Will you say a prayer for me? Or is it too late? Uh, I mean, I'd say one for myself, but I've never prayed in my life, so. Nobody ever taught me how. Nobody ever taught me how. Okay. 
radio conver or a cell phone conversation between a, a parent and a child. That's all she can hear. Um, very honest portrayal, I thought, in that scene of a desperate prayer, you know? And, and how about her confession? She says, I, I'd pray for myself, but I don't know how to pray. I, nobody ever taught me how. Nobody ever taught me how. My heart was uh, moved again today as I saw that scene. And, and we're in a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and as I said last week, Jesus assumed that if we want to follow him, that we would want to pray. We would want to learn how to pray. But he knows that we need a teacher. He knows we need guidance in this area. We need help with, with prayer. And so he gave us this most amazing guidance and teaching on prayer in Matthew chapter 6, in the, in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to read that passage together. It's found in Matthew 6. Uh, we're going to be getting in verse 5. If you want a Bible, they're at the back. And help yourself. Matthew 6, 5 uh, to 15. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's pray. Father, these words are so very familiar to us, so familiar to us that we can say them without meaning them, we can, say, we can hear them and not see their wisdom and their glory. And I pray, Lord, give us fresh eyes, fresh ears this morning to, to see these words for what they are, the, the genius that Jesus was in giving us this prayer. Lord, we pray today, along with your first disciples. We ask you to teach each of us how to pray. Amen. Before we get into the Lord's Prayer specifically, let me ask, why does prayer matter so much? Well, really a couple of reasons. God's heart is to call all of his followers <clears throat> deeper into a life of prayer. And secondly, that's what we're really longing for. That's what we really long for is authentic connection with the living God. Um, Timothy Keller, a uh, renowned author, pastor, he says this. He says, we live in a culture that is starved for a deep experience of the soul. There is a, a vacuum, he says, in our soul, we're, in our lives. We're told we don't need religion, yet we're seeking mystical experiences through all sorts of techniques. But we find we cannot substitute for prayer, for true intimacy with the in infinite. And he goes on to say, he says, the Lord's Prayer holds the secret to what we seek. And so this morning we're going to look at the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. The Lord's Prayer is one of the most wonderful gifts Jesus has ever given to us. It's a gift that can actually meet the deepest longings of our hearts. And today I'm going to invite all of you to unwrap that gift. Now why is the Lord's Prayer such a good gift? Well, there's really three reasons. 
First of all, it frees us from kind of a common anxiety. It's a gift that helps us know whether we are praying in such a way that makes our Father heaven, or, or pleases our Father in heaven. It, you ever felt that stress when it comes to prayer? Am I getting it right? Am I saying the right words? Is this, is this what I'm praying acceptable to a holy God? What a, what a gift. Jesus tells us how to get it right. He says, this then is how you should pray. He's, I don't think he's saying that we necessarily have to use these exact words or, or pray in this exact order, but he's implying that there is a way that can help you enter into authentic connection with God, with our Father. It's as if Jesus is saying in the Lord's Prayer, here's the kind of praying that pleases my Father. Here's the the kind of praying that my Father loves to hear and loves to answer. Don't you want to, I mean, don't you want to learn to pray like that? Secondly, the Lord's Prayer is a a wonderful gift because in it, Jesus reveals God's heart. I mean, in, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus reveals really what makes God tick. Jesus is on about in this prayer what God's all about in the world and in our lives, in my life, your life. We discover that God cares about the the hallowing of his name and the coming of his kingdom, um, the fulfillment of his will. We discover through this prayer that, that it's on his heart to provide for us and to cancel debts and restore relationships and, and to free us from the work of the evil one. As we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're more drawn into the things that God cares about. Um, third reason, and this is one that's really mattered to me, is the Lord's Prayer is such a gift because it tells us that we can make a difference. That we can make a difference through our prayers. How awesome is that? That when we, we pray, we have this awesome privilege of partnering with, with God. I mean, in fulfilling His purposes. As we pray this prayer, we're joining God in bringing about his desires in our world. Um, I, I think sometimes we don't pray because we don't believe our prayers really matter that much. They don't really make a difference. Um, my kids not that long ago used to play often with plastic swords. Actually, they got wooden swords that they bought over in, uh, what's the goats in the roof? Coombs. They had a, a wooden armor and swords and things, and, and we bought them plastic water pistols and things that they would use around our home and, and beat each other up. And you know what you get hurt the most and wet the most by these water pistols? They're dead. Yes, it's true. But I, I wonder sometimes if many of us treat prayer kind of like they're plastic swords and water pistols, where we don't really think they will make any dent in the real world, that they won't really, really matter. They're not dangerous. They're fun to play with, but not significant. We won't take prayer seriously if we view prayer that way. Um, Philip Yancey, a great writer, wrote a, wrote a very good book on prayer called Prayer, Does It Make Any Difference? And in it, he recounts this kind of uh, conversation between a rabbi and a student. And, and this rabbi taught that experiences of God could never be planned or achieved. And uh, the student, uh, he, he said this, he said, they are spontaneous moments of, of grace almost accidental. And his student asked, Rabbi, if, if God-realization is just accidental, why do we work so hard at all these spiritual practices? Why do we bother praying so much? And uh, the rabbi responded with, to be as, as accident-prone as possible. <laughs> to be as accident-prone as possible. Um, another of my favorite author- authors is Annie Dillard. And we probably, you've heard this quote probably before. 
Listen to how she suggests we should view the power of prayer. She says, does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so candidly invoke? Or as I suspect, does no one believe a word of it? The churches are children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. The point is, is what moves human history uh, from, from our side of things, from the human side of things, is, is, is prayer. It, it's a huge mystery, this, this prayer partnership with God, but the, the movers and the, and the shakers of history are those who pray. Pray the Lord's Prayer, and the world has changed. Well, in the remaining time, I'd like to give you five observations on the Lord's Prayer. Again, I'd like to give credit to Daryl Johnson. This is, this is from his book. He wrote a book on prayer, on the Lord's Prayer, but I want to give you these five observations. First observation is this, just the, uh, the scope of this prayer, which is everything. I mean, wh- whatever it is we need to pray about, it's covered in this prayer. I mean, in these short, six short requests, it Jesus has just gathered up all of life. It speaks to every aspect of our human experience. We're we're physical creatures. So he teaches us to pray, give us this day our our daily bread. Uh, We're relational. So he teaches us to to forgive those who trespass against us. We're, We're spiritual beings. So he teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name, because our greatest need is to know the one who made us. It it encompasses all of time. It encompasses past and present and future. I mean, what's the greatest need when we we look to our past? Isn't it forgiveness? Don't we need to be released from our debts? What's our our, our greatest need in in our present? Our, Our greatest felt need really is food and shelter when it comes down to it. So we pray, give us today our daily bread. What about when we look ahead to the future? What's our greatest need? Isn't it for guidance and protection from all that might happen to us? And so we, he teaches us to pray, lead us and deliver us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. As Professor Johnson said about the Lord's Prayer, name any need, any concern, any longing, and it's covered by the Lord's Prayer. Nothing is left out. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. Uh, another Bible scholar, uh, Helmut Thielicke, wrote the, uh, a book of, on prayer. It was actually a collection of his sermons and they were written in an interesting context uh, from a, the bombed-out city of Stuttgart, Germany, in the final days of World War II. He preached a series of sermons to his church, and he wrote a book on it. This is what he said about prayer. He said, The Lord's Prayer covers the world of everyday trifles and universal history. The world with its hours of joy and bottomless anguish. The world of citizens and soldiers. The world of monotonous routine and, and sudden terrible catastrophe the world of carefree children, and the world of problems that can shatter grown men and women. Isn't that good? In just, in its original language, it's just, this prayer is just 57 57 words, but it's a prayer that includes and encompasses the whole world. So that's why the the theologians throughout the years have have thought the Lord's Prayer summed up our Christian life, kind of sums it up. Everything we need to live as a Christian is summed up in the Lord's Prayer. It, It contains most of the lessons that we need to learn to be a Christian. I mean, discovering worship, hallowing the name of God, discovering God's will, 
learning to, to trust him for our life and our needs, being trained in forgiveness. Kind of core training, isn't it? Growing an understanding of the very real spiritual battle that we're in. Not to mention becoming skilled at overcoming temptation. So first observation, the scope of the prayer, which is everything. Second observation, uh, number two, is the flow of the prayer. If you look at this prayer, there's really two parts. Parts one to three and four to six. The first half uses the pronoun you. The second half uses the pronoun us. So you have your name, your kingdom, your will. And then you have forgive, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us, deliver us. You, 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 us, us, us. Jesus is telling us that when we pray, we begin not with our agenda, but with God's agenda. Um, How do most of us start our prayers, honestly? We begin with, Lord, help me. Lord, give me. We usually begin with our needs, right? Father, give me. Isn't that right? And, and, and I, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I think that's honest often. Um, but N, uh, theologian N.T. Wright suggests that's like going to God through the back door, where Jesus teaches us to go through the front door. Father, hallow your name. Father, bring your kingdom. Father, your will be done. Why? Because our agendas are then put in a different perspective, a bigger perspective. And then surprisingly, our agendas aren't nearly as heavy. I mean, how often do we spend time praying and we come away just as beat up and burdened as before? You ever had that happen? Why is that? Could it be that we're really not taking Jesus seriously here? Begin with God's concerns, and then our concerns are are put in a, a, a different perspective. The more we pray the first half of the prayer the more we discover our greatest needs are already being addressed. So follow the flow. Your, 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 us, us, us. Sometimes I find I don't even make it to the second half of the prayer. Amazingly enough. I find, I found as, as I've grown as a Christian, the first half of the prayer has become the best part of the prayer for me. I hope, we, I, I hope the same for you as well. Third observation, the center of the prayer, this, this little clause, on earth as it is in heaven. As a new Christian, I used to think this was a poetic, flowery bit of the prayer that really didn't mean very much, and I would always skip over that to the food, which I do in life generally. Skip to the food. You know, give us our daily bread, right? Something relevant. But I'm discovering that these are heavyweight words on earth as it is in heaven. Really, the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, those seven little words, captures God's passion to bring the reality of heaven here on earth. I mean, think about it. In, in heaven right now, whose name is being hallowed? God's name. I mean, his kingdom has come. His will is being done. Jesus is, is teaching us to pray, Father, make it so here. Like, like bring up there, down here. Um, talking about kids earlier, I want to ask you, how many of you, when you were really small, uh, when you were playing with a group of friends, uh, somebody suggested that you play school? Any, anyone? play school as a kid? Anybody really want to be a teacher? You know? You really, and you were a teacher. That is so cool. Um, I hated that game myself, personally. I didn't love school generally, but there were kids that would drag you into this, and they were, somebody would want to be in charge and, and run you through that. I want to ask you the mo- for a moment this morning to put your teacher hat on for a, a second, and I want you to think, how would you grade the world we live in right now? How would you grade our world right now? I mean, you could do this in, in, a, in a, a number of dimensions, correct? 
I mean, it, you maybe start with just even our local community, like people's health, uh, people's moral and spiritual condition. Um, we could talk about the state of our lawns in the Tri-Cities. That could be a topic of conversation. Front page of the Tri-City News this week. Um, uh, we could talk about levels of crime. We could talk about the state of families. We could talk about relationships. Um, if you stepped out and looked at the nation, uh, how would we grade our nation? Uh, this week, not so much, not so great. I wouldn't get a, you know, not so great. I'm, I'm disappointed in our nation this week. Uh, they're, they're ruling at the Supreme Court level of, on, on uh, assisted suicide on Friday was incredibly disheartening. But think Canada, think of social issues and economics, think of political leadership. Or even further out, think internationally, uh, think about relation, be, relationships between nations and wars and disease and environment and, and corruption and poverty and, and justice issues. How would you grade our world? I think even the most optimistic and generous of teachers would say significant room for improvement. Correct? And how about our own lives? How do we grade our own lives? You know, the, the, the amount of sickness, uh, job needs, finance issues, emotional stuff, family and, and relational problems, moral struggles, all the stuff we struggle with. What grade would we get? The reality is we, we desperately need both individually and in our world for it to be on earth as it is in heaven. We really do. You know, we've been praying this for our church and, and wanting this to happen here at Hillside. That's been our heart's desire, is to see in our experience that we would see more of up there come down here. And uh, pressing into that a little bit, in fact, uh, this coming Thursday, we're going to start a new prayer meeting um, in my office at 7 a.m. till 8 a.m., just in hoping that it might work for some of you on your way to work, that you could somehow make that. But we're going to be praying, kingdom praying, this is going to be the predominant prayer we're going to pray. We're not praying for Aunt Betty's surgery. We're going to pray that God's kingdom would come in this church and in our city. We want to pray that. We want to see God move in ways we've never seen him move. We want to see him break through in our experience as a congregation. We want to see our neighborhood get excited about Jesus. And we, we, live, in a, we live in a culture right now where people aren't excited about Jesus. In fact, uh, the average Canadian is more, like to be, more likely to be against the church than pro the church. So what do we got to do? Uh, we got to love them, love them, love them. And we've got to pray that God's spirit would work in their lives in powerful ways. That's the only way we're going to reach our community for Christ, is love and prayer. I, I, I see the two kind of hand in hand. And the only way we're going to really love well is if we pray. Because we suck at loving, just generally, as people. We need God's power even to love well, Right? So we want to pray. We want to pray. And this is going to be the heart of our prayer on earth as it is in heaven. God, come here. So it might just be me and God. But I hope that some of you will say, I'm going to come. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to join you. We're going to pray. Maybe we'll have to move from my office into a, into a bigger room. That would be a good problem to have. But we want to pray and seek God for these things. And, and you don't have to come to that prayer meeting to be praying this thing for your own life and for your own neighborhood and your own community. I mean, we're, <laughs> we have this opportunity to pray, Lord, in my relationships lord in, in, in my job in my finances let it be on earth as it is in heaven lord in my neighborhood in my workplace in the classroom you've placed me in may you be hallowed here like in heaven lord in my home but also in niger and in the ukraine and in iraq lord 
make it there like in heaven. Don't you think we need a lot more heaven on earth? On earth as, on earth as it is in heaven, words that can change both our lives and our nation. Fourth observation is the verbs of this prayer. Powerful verbs, actually. Um, Hallow, come, be done, give, forgive, deliver, lead. Again, let me focus in on the first three words. They're, they're quite significant. Hallow, come, be done. As one scholar pointed out, in the original language, these were all in the imperative tense. That means they're all commands. And, and here's the deal. In Jesus' day, you would never, ever address a superior in the imperative tense. You never command a superior. Not a wise idea to do it with your boss at work either, but here we're talking not just addressing a, a supervisor. We're talking about God of the universe, and Jesus is saying this incredibly strange thing, telling us to pray, be hallowed, be done, do this, your will, all in the command, command uh, tense. Why, why is that? Pray the Lord's Prayer is to command, not to ask. Jesus teaches us to pray this way. He's telling us if we can pray with such boldness to our Father in heaven. How do we respond to this? Um, I, I think it's actually meant to be a powerful reminder that, God, that, that only God can do what we are asking him to do. Only God can truly hallow his name. Only God can cause his kingdom to truly come. Only God can, can, can make his will be done. This prayer is not what many of us have made it to be. Let us honor your, your name, God. Let us do your will. Let us bring about your kingdom. It's Father, you do it. You know, changes the whole tone of the prayer. Asking God to do what only God can do. Commanding God to do what only, only he can do. We might be involved, but we're not making it happen. Dr. Elton Trueblood talked about this. He said, we mistake the kingdom requests if we think we are the key factors or actors in the drama, we may be needed, but the fundamental work for which we pray is God's work. You know, we're taught to pray, you do it, because only he can do it. That's how we're taught by Jesus how to pray. What an awesome privilege that we can address God like that. Father, you do it. You know, you bring heaven down. Do it, Lord. Just do it. We're called to pray boldly. I remember, uh, remember one particular time i i i part of a pastor's group as i've told many of you before we meet once a month and we pray for our community and i remember one halloween i've told you some of this the story before but on this one particular we meet at the end, last wednesday of the month this particular day happened to follow on halloween's day halloween day in october on october 31st and i remember we uh were praying for our, our city and I remember reading a, an article in the Tri-City News the weekend before talking about just the amount of, of arson and damage and graffiti that happens to our local schools on Halloween. And I was kind of annoyed at that. And I remember praying, God, you do something about that. I remember in this group of pastors, we pray. I prayed the, probably the boldest prayer that I'd ever prayed. God, enough of that. I, I mean, I, I pray you'd set your angels about our schools, Lord. I pray you would protect those, those institutions, Father. And I prayed with such... It, it, was, it was, God, make it like here, like it's down there. I didn't even know how to express it this morning. And was so pleased when I got the newspaper later that week where it said that 
um, vandalism on Halloween night in the Tri-City area was cut down by 90%. Should we not be uh, elevating our prayers a little bit, folks? God cares about our needs. I mean, that's in the prayer. He cares about our relationships. But he'd love, us, love to see us impact a nation and a community. He'd love us to do much more partnering with, with him in those ways. Uh, I'm, I'm saying, let's pray. Final, final observation. The reason the prayer works is the opening line. Our Father in heaven heard the story of a, a Sunday school class where they had some problems repeating the Lord's Prayer. One child prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, how'd you know my name? <laughs> now it is kind of important along our journey with God that he actually does know our name. That's a good thing. It's probably just as good, maybe even better, to get to know his name and to reverence it. Um, the Lord's Prayer works because he is our Father in heaven. This has been so helpful for me to get. You know that that he, it's both Father and in heaven, and they can't be separated. As, as someone once said, the, the fact that we call him Father reminds us that he is the ultimate love, and, and in heaven reminds us that we address the ultimate power. Our, our Father in heaven not only recognizes the intimacy that we have with God as our Father, but it speaks of the awe that we should have of him as we come to him in prayer. Jesus is saying, the one to whom we call Father is God. Sovereign God, God of all power, God of all the universe, God of all authority. Back to this idea of calling God as, as Father for a moment. It's not the only time in the passage that draw, Jesus draws our attention to God being our Father. Do you remember verse 8 where Jesus says, For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Incredible line for him to pray or, or to instruct on just before he teaches on prayer. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. As a dad, um, over the years, I've often been in the role of anticipating the needs of my kids. Um, you know, when they were really young, it was really simple of, you know, guys, uh, teeth, bed, bath, meals, all, all the kind of basic stuff of life. You, you guys need this. And I'd provide that even before they asked. And that was my role as a, as a dad. They don't know they need it, really, but they do. Jesus says, our Father knows what we need before we even ask him. This is good news because here's the thing, folks. You and I, we, we're not so great at knowing what we need. I mean, I thought if God only answered my prayer for a dirt bike when I was a kid, I'd be happy. That was my greatest prayer when I was about eight years old. God, a dirt bike, please. We think we know what we need, but we don't. We we, we think we see the whole picture, but we don't see all the factors that are, are, are at work in our lives. Uh, we don't see the, the, the circumstances, the, the, the big uh, tapestry that God is weaving through our story, through the pits, as Mark talked about a couple weeks ago, the, the pits that we think are irredeemable. What's, what's this about, God? Why aren't you releasing me from this pit here and now and today? Because there's a bigger story going on. He knows what we need. He knows where your story ends. He knows how the flow. We think we understand ourselves. We think we understand our longings and our fears. We don't. But our Father does. And, and you know what this does for us? 
it frees us to come to, to, to prayer with him uh, humbly and openly and, and not having to have everything figured out beforehand. We don't have to know what the answer should be. We don't even have to have the right questions. We can come, for him, come just authentically before him. It frees us to not have it all thought out. Jesus has come, speak as honestly and as boldly as it can because our Father knows what we need. We're given a, this great gift, the Lord's Prayer, a a prayer that encompasses everything, your whole life. Just really one word of application here for you this morning. Unwrap it. Begin praying this prayer. Meditate on it. Uh, Ask God if the words have become dull to you. Uh, Do a word study on this prayer. Uh, Pick up Daryl Johnson's uh, 57 words that changed the world. I mean, uh, dive into this prayer. Begin thinking about Uh, The order of this prayer. Spend some time uh, praying through it slowly. I I pray this with my kids on the way to school every day when we drive together. And and, um, I try to do it slow so that they don't just say it by rote. I don't think they quite get it yet. But we're given this amazing gift. I, I, I say this to you. Pray this prayer. And change the world. Uh, Let's pray, shall we? Worship team, come on up. Lord, uh, thank you for this gift. Um, you know what we need. And, and we can't be like that character on that screen who said, nobody ever taught me how to pray. Jesus, you're in our life and our experience, and you're, you're, you're just so willing and, and desirous to, to free us to pray and to connect with, with your Father openly and, and boldly and authentically. Lord, uh, we pray again. And we mean it. Teach us how to pray. Some of us feel like we'll never be there. Some of us feel like this has been such an area of frustration. Uh, Lord, there's so many reasons why we should just discard this, this teaching. But God, you, this is a great invitation, a great gift. And I pray you'd help each of us journey with you personally, that we would connect with the living God and that you would... Um, Lord, we pray you would change the world through us. We ask you these things this morning in Jesus' name. (coughs) Amen.